Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience revelatory teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to the Paula Price Show. Oh, Jesus. Well, this has been a rapid morning for me. Rapid because God's doing a new thing. I can't get Prophet Ashley. Because she's fighting the cold. Cold is fighting me. She's battling a cold. Oh, yeah. And she's trying her best to hang tough for us. And, well, I don't know. She looks good to me. What do you think? She looks healthy. She looks healthy. I think she's faking it. Ah! (laughs) That's what happens when you're valuable. What people won't do for a day off. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you give a person a day off a year, right? They want to modify it. Okay. A whole day off, so you cannot. She can't even talk, guys. That's why I'm having fun. Ha. I'm having a blast. She knows this happen often. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't happen often. No. But it happens, and so she. Um. All right, I am thoroughly outfitted. Yes, you look beautiful. <laughs> but we have a great surprise today Hi. because she picked her own stand-in. <laughs> Yay. And so imagine my surprise when I found out the stand-in is going to be our Wednesday night warrior girl. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Yes, I think so. Yes, so I'm looking forward to awesome things. Make sure you go and tell everybody that the Paula Price Show is on. It's 11 o'clock Central or thereabouts, uh, 11 a.m. Central time. Go tell everybody she's on, she's on, she's on. Now, listen, I want to tell you this, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we have to get some, um, we have broadcast promotions and we got other stuff. Do we have stuff over there? Yes, we have plenty of stuff over here. Okay, well, let's start, we're going we're gonna to begin with stuff because you know when I get flowing, I it's going to be, whoo, Jesus, <laughs> help me. Today, I'm going to talk about, that's why you, I'm giving you time to find your friends. Today, we're going to talk about when intercession turns to meddling. Ooh. Ooh. Tell, tell your friends when intercession turns to meddling. And, you know, I, I get a lot of these topics from counselings and prayers and, and things that I do, and also from situations that I observe or read um, and one of the things I found out is that intercessors need to know their bounds, and most of them don't know their bounds, and most of them try to operate out of bounds. And so when I say that, I say that's just very important if you are an intercessor that operates out of bounds. Now, before we go to our 
uh, offerings of the week. Don't we have some promotional offerings? Yes, we do. Okay, before we go there, here's what I want to say. In my experience, the most out-of-bounds intercessors are parents. Most specifically, mamas. Those intercessory mamas are like the doctor that decides that they're going to treat their own family even if it's not their area of expertise. And so today we're going to talk about intercessors, out-of-bound intercessors. When intercession turns to meddling, out-of-bounds intercessors. And, and that's one of the things. I'm so glad that I had Chief Prophet Tyler Price with me this morning filling in the gap because, well, she has to deal with this all the time as well. And so I want to talk about that because I think we need to explore that a little bit as we go forward into the future. I think that what I'm going to say will answer a great deal of concern for the body of Christ and a number of questions for people. You know, and so before we jump in, let's do it. All right, we're going to talk about offers first. Our offers first. All right, here's what's going on in the Paula Price Show world. Uh, first and foremost, we want to continue some offers that are exclusively for your show listeners this week. Yeah. All right, that were prepared by our very own Prophet Adina Peterson, um, who will expound on these a little later when she gives some more announcements. But first up, uh-huh. we are doing a 10% off, okay, your next downloadable message when you purchase the MAQ are our ministry assessment questionnaire. Yay. So when you purchase the ministry assessment questionnaire and you want to take uh, advantage of our 10% off your next downloadable, when you buy it, you will receive an email after you pay for the assessment. Oh. So what that means is after you purchase and pay and take your assessment, go to your email box, check that spam if you need to, mm. to get your 10% off coupon for your downloadable. Yes, okay. That's we want to, I'm not. <laughs> so, Prophet, I think that it's been 
around okay. the clock. Around the clock, okay? She's been working feverishly around the clock to bring us, okay, 24-7 yes. Dr. Price. How many of you guys can deal with some 24-7 Dr. Price, okay? All right, so 24-7 Dr. Price, and now you have it with at www.drpaulaaprice.tv. Not dot com, TV. Okay, you can. TV, can see me. TV, can see me. Hey, you know, when you're in China, you do what you can, you know? All right, so we have Dr. And our assessments are so phenomenal 
And I say that after, you know, nine years of watching them work and and answer people's questions and place them in their purpose in God and to do so objectively, no hands-on, no prophesying. You know, that's a miracle of the assessment is that they prophesy. They prophesy all by themselves. I mean, we don't, we, they don't meet us until after they're done. Right. They go online, they push a button, they pay their fee, they take their assessment, they answer the questions, hit submit, and then it goes through the system and through the processes of calculations, et cetera, and we audit them regularly to make sure everything is still clicking, yeah. and uh, come back with who they are in God. And you do this so much. How many times could you estimate that you've heard, but that's me? 5%, 50, 60? Oh, no. Probably 90% of the time. Now, that's good odds in anything. Yes. 90% of the time, people say, that's me, that's where I am, or I didn't know that's me, but yet there's witness to my soul. You want to take advantage of this. I remember a man came to a city once. Remember, an apostle came to the city, and he just wanted to meet me, and we told him about the assessment. He was stunned, and his words still ring in my ears years later. I want to know how you got that computer to prophesy. Do you remember him saying that? And I say to you today, it's about God. We have not had any two assessments yet that were exactly alike. Now, we've got similarities. You have overlays. Right. But we don't have, we might have the, a lot with the same dominant gift and somebody else with a different secondary gift. Yeah. We may have the same dominant gift and the same secondary gift, and guess what? We've got someone else mm-hmm. with a different environment. Right. We have people who have similar threats, similar, you know, strengths, and, and the strengths and threatness changes. Yeah. And let's not talk about the 22 categories. Of course. It is very, very difficult for us to say we've gotten two of the exact same assessments. Would you say that? Because you yeah. you run the company. Absolutely. Well, because of the, the if you you know the aggregate of all of those different sections coming together, uh, you know they don't produce the same profile. So even though the same information is being used, like you said, the dominance, the emotional, all of those things are being used. Uh, how they come up for each person and how they relate even to each person is very, very different. So it does produce a unique result based on the person that's taking it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because we've had people who said they tried to trick it, <laughs> tried to cheat right. it, you know. The guy who just answered, uh, what, 50% of the on questions wrong. on purpose to see if this assessment was valid. And the fact that it was still able to peg him. Okay. And then he was embarrassed because all of his scores were low. Yes. I said, so you kind of hurt yourself yeah, exactly. playing with it. His <laughs> scores were low. Wanted to take it again. No, we don't do that. I don't. I don't advise that. I think he did anyway. Right. You know, but uh, you know, but it, because the way it's laid out, it's going to capture the way it captures. And so we we encourage you today, and I'm going to continue to encourage you because. New stuff needs to be said, and we need to repeat it over and over and over again because, hmm, people don't get it. And it's new. We have to let you know, and then you have to see the validity of it. All of my uh, viewers who are on Periscope right now, post what you think. Post it on your Facebook. Post it in wherever your friends are, whatever social media site you're using, and begin to say, I heartily. Give some testimonials of how it works. Your testimonials 
make this thing more less about me and more about the product and its benefits to the people who take it. Our assessees rave about it, and so many of them go on to become trainees and, and mentees and, and on and on. Yes, so I wanted to make sure you said that, especially since you're offering this this amazing great. sale. With now, if you take it, ten percent off your next downloadable. Come on, until the end of the month. That's See, that's they don't know. Yes. So you have to kind of scurry up, go in that that coffee can, go in that little cookie jar. Yes. Scrape those pennies together. Make sure that you don't miss this. Right. This is powerful. Now, along the, the the way of the assessments, here's something that you also might want to know. We have numerous people, the assessment takes as intercessors. And even the MAQ, surprisingly, will find people as intercessors. Mm -hmm. And so, but what we're going to bring back soon is the PAQ. Now, our PAQ is a very, very unique product. And the reason it's unique is because it's broken down, the prophetic aptitude questionnaire, it's broken down into three levels. All three levels will tell you something about it. Now, imagine being the head of a prophetic company. Imagine being assigned the intercessory department over your church. Consider yourself uh, in a position of being a trainer, a prophetic trainer, um, and, uh, or something like that. Imagine that and imagine how uh, helpful you would find being able to educate your people, train them, and place them properly. They will not place, be placed so they're in over their head, and they will not be placed so that they are under-challenged, okay, because people who are unchallenged will walk away as quickly as those who are drowning. And so imagine being able to do that. Imagine being the one in your organization that is charged with setting up a prophetic company. Envision yourself having the perfect list in your mind. You've taken it out of your mind. You've written it on a piece of paper in a notebook, and you have picked who you want. I mean, you know it. This is going to be my assistant. This will be my scribe. This will be my chief prophet. This will be my so-and-so. Imagine doing that, and then imagine surfing the web and happening upon us and saying, gee, this sounds like a good idea. And you go and you put all of your candidates through that training. And all of those results come back to you. And as you're going through them, you're comparing them to your list. And you're realizing, I'm not that far off, but in some key areas, you would have placed somebody with severe threat or severe risk in a position of authority, that little exercise could have saved you or will probably save you years of grief in training and, and uh, reputation and credibility. When you, Especially if you're starting a prophetic company in a church, that thing is on probation for 15 years. People are going to test it and try it and question it and challenge it for a good little while. And it, could, it takes 10 years to get a good profit anyway. And so... Imagine being able to now make your decision, not just on your hunch, not just on your gift or your inkling. What if you can make your decision on hard data? Hard data that is key 100% to the scriptures. Imagine that. Imagine now 
taking that scenario a step further, imagine having that list, now having your hard data, going through one by one those results to find out the ideal prophetic education program to put together for those that you're getting ready to use. Imagine now knowing that more than 60% of them have a problem with spiritual purity. Imagine 70% having a problem with scriptural authority. Can you imagine, think about it, a, a prophet with, in conflict with scriptural authority, what will that do to your organization? How about you, Chief? Did you want to add two or three more before we get into where we're going? And I think that, yeah, I like the spiritual purity. Um, also, just some basic things that we discovered, professionalism. Mm-hmm. Lack of no, no idea. Yes, with the, their, uh, the level of responsibility and commitment they're going to have, uh, as well as something that comes up a lot uh, in the PAQ results, uh, two things, um, ministerial integrity, mm-hmm. okay, and also their spiritual intelligence. Because there are people who, who can prophesy and receive things from the spirit but don't have any spiritual intelligence. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to how to use that information, apply that information, let's talk about the dangerous intercessors. Mm-hmm. That can That's be, where we're going. They can, they mm-hmm. can be applied in a, in a very unhealthy, unhealthy mm-hmm. and, and perhaps uh, uh, unsafe way in your congregation. I see, you know, what do we hear? What did we hear? Oh, I think so and so was walking in the spirit up. Uh-huh. Well, let me use my favorite, my, my favorite, least favorite spirit that everybody's always walking in. So and so got a spirit of Jezebel. Oh, my. Yes. Because I saw it in a dream. Mm-hmm. I had this vision, and it came to me. In prayer. And in prayer. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that you get spiritual information and don't have any intelligence of application. Mm-hmm. So you run around and actually start saying and spreading all of this, soiling someone's reputation destroying, mm-hmm. okay, the, the unity in the, the company or even begin to cast dispersions and suspicions on various individuals in the church, creating dissension mm-hmm. and all of this, all up of a, uh, something that had not been even verified. Or oh, you dream. You had a dream. I, I, I had a man that put out of his position because, because one of the prophetic people in the church had a dream that was not verified. And if they hadn't talked to me, that thing would have torn up the church. Well, we went through an incident that was close to home where mm-hmm. we had a wife have a dream that her husband might be potentially interested in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a younger woman mm-hmm. in the ministry. And that thing turned into what? It was explosive. It, uh, and she said all the other wives. Yes, off of a dream. When I realized, because, you know, I didn't know what was going on at the time, but when I realized that all of the dream comes back after no, nothing that's physically no displayed, data. no actual information, nothing evidentiary. And, and so I'm talking to you now because they'll be out by the end of March is what we're planning. You need to prepare right now to get your people ready. You think about a lot of, I mean, think about a lot of prayer sessions, which is where we're going from here. But think about how many times a prophet stood up who was questionable in every area brings an accusation against somebody based on spiritual intelligence. We have uh, in our uh, in my training, we have a, a rule that says confidentiality applies to spiritual intelligence too. That's right. Because we need to keep God's confidence as well, uh, as well. and that needs to stay within the circle. Are you all following me? Are they following me on this? Because you need to recognize our assessment will tell you who's likely to do that. We have a segment in the assessment that talks about the spiritual intelligence. And uh, emotional maturity, we're talking about, and, and it'll tell you, developing. So we have this person has high scores here. They're hitting it. 
they're walking in. Get down to emotional intelligence. How many times have you seen that? Oh, my, my. And it says uh, developing or not yet developed or not apparent, mm-hmm. you know, or you have somebody that you have made the head of your prophetic institution in your church, your chief prophet. I mean, they're there. We put them through the assessment, and when they get past beginner, the result, the low accessible range, the low accessible range, the low accessible range, the low, which means we can't locate them in the assessment because they cannot locate the questions that pertain to what they do. Oh, is anybody listening to me today? God wants to put this thing on the map the right way. And we have all, most prophets are, are evaluated by observation only. And we evaluate you by assessment, by diagnosis, hallelujah, and investigation. When about, we've had people, I know you had them, I'm sorry, that's just wrong, that machine is wrong, it's not doing it right. And, you know, and they tell us, that's not me. And, and they say, because uh-uh, I know who I am, I've been saved so and so years, I've done this and I've done that. And I said, you were probably really great as a gift. Because this assessment will tell you who you should keep as a gift on your team and who you should set in office. Wouldn't you like to know that? How many of you pastors out there would like to have known that five years ago, ten years ago? How many prophetic leaders and educators? How many of you all who are prophetic educators would like to know before you hand out your certificates and your degrees and diplomas who needs to get what level? How how many of you would love to have known that? And so I, we sit down, and, we, and my advisors get it all the time. We're going to have to start having role play with the advisors on my show just for you to see how this thing, how helpful this thing is and how effective a tool this becomes. So, so we have it, and, and so I had one person, you might have a case that you'd like to share too. I had one person to say to me, I'm sorry, that's why I don't care. I know what God told me. I said, but if you know what God told you, how come you didn't recognize the questions that would confirm it? Oh, is that helping somebody? See, our, the assessment is not, we don't have any handling of it. There is no processing of this. I told you, we don't handle it until we get the spit out. When it prints out the results, that's when we start getting involved, and we cannot go back and change it. People are stunned at how, how intricately designed it is. So it's kind of like a toothpick house. You, we pull one thing off, the whole thing is going to fall down. So we can't touch that. And so when I said that, and it took this person several years, well, it had to be about two years, about two years to come to the truth and realize, you know what, I thought that was God, but my father told me, and he was my pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you're fighting God. You're in an office you don't belong in. Some of you all are in offices. You are, you're being legacy children. You're trying to carry on something that mama did, daddy did, granny did, uncle did, and you're falling on your face because you're treating their passion for a legacy as your destiny. And so as, as their legacy does not have to be your destiny. I have three daughters. And only one carried my legacy, only one. And trust me, she'll tell you, I tried to throw her out three times because I didn't want to impose my will on her. You know, I just did it. But she knew that I did not twist her arm. I'm going into our discussion today. I did not twist her arm. I did not manipulate her. She went to school for something. I went on with it. She, I was ready to send her off. Now, my heart was broken, but I felt like, I don't stand in the stead of God. I don't sit on the throne of people's lives. 
And if I don't sit on the throne of their lives, then I don't have a right to manipulate them according to my will. Because while, while you're forcing this destiny on your child, the person who's really carrying your legacy is being deprived and being replaced by, for genetic reasons. See, maybe you left your work, mama, daddy, auntie, uncle, granny, grandpappy. Maybe you are trying to leave your work in the wrong hands. And so you're guaranteeing that it stays in your family, but it's leaving the family of Christ. Or at best, leaving them half naked. So as we go on, I'm moving into my subject. I want you to say, I started this out by saying we're going to talk about when intercession turns to meddling. You know, I have sat down. I am a mom. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a lot of years. I'm a mom. You're hearing my baby daughter talk as we speak. And you see her on Wednesday Night Warriors, and I have two other beautiful daughters whom I love dearly. And I'll tell you something I had to learn. You, I had to learn to stay out of God's business. Now, I, as my daughters grew up, I'm speaking now, from that vantage point for a moment. As my daughters were growing up, I had all kinds of vision. I was in ministry. Oh, Lord, I want them to say, say, God, I just need them to say, oh, Lord, just please cause them to want to do ministry. And, you know, one, half one, the elders halfway wanted to. The second one weren't interested. And then the third one, I wasn't sure. Now, I say that because I'm helping you. This has nothing to do with them because they were doing what they ought to do, and that is follow the God on their life. But I had my thing. So I went to God because I'm going to try to make that, that something into something else. You know, I'm going to turn this, this steel into gold. You know, I'm going to do this. And so I went to God, and I began to pray. If you're a mama and you got friends who are mama, and if you're listening and you want your mama to hear this or your daddy or your, your pastor, your leader, you need to tell them to tune in right now because I'm covering the ground that needs to be spoken to. So I went to prayer. And I said, God, you know, you said whatever I ask in your name, and you said anything you want. And he went, I went, I mean, I worked up that word. I was slamming scriptures at Jesus Christ. Man, like we were at a batting cage. I was just throwing them out there at him. And eventually he cut across me, and he said to me, you as a mama have no right to meddle in the destinies I wrote on my children. And he has a statement in Isaiah that says, ask of me concerning my children. Ask of me concerning my children. That is a statement. You, God said you are the action before you start interceding about you want your child to follow your ministry and following your footsteps. I want my child to be a prophet. I want my child to be this or that. And I think it pertains to uh, secular as well as sacred positions. You need to ask God. Now, here's the problem. I, 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 God started talking to me. I talked to different women and different moms. Oh, no, I prayed to God, and I asked them to have him fired. I prayed to God, and I asked him to have her put out. I prayed to God, and I asked him to have her fail, and all of that. And I'm, I've heard pastors do it. I've heard mothers and fathers do it. I've heard grandmothers and grandparents and other authority figures, and these poor people are studying, and they're struggling, and they're pressing, and they're praying for success, and you're praying their failure. You're making their prayers futile. You're binding them up, and I'm telling you, you don't have a right to do that. Now, God has a statement in 1 Peter 4.15, which I think is probably one of many, but here it is, and he says, but let none of you suffer 
as a now listen to this list. This is a strange list. As a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody. Now tell me, how can something as seemingly innocuous as busybody be in the list with murderers and thieves? Anybody hearing me? Come on, I'm going there. Oh my God, I don't even have my cloth. Let me get my cloth today. Oh my God. But let me tell you, let me tell you, ask yourself the question. Come on, ask yourself, mama, daddy, pastor, bishop, apostle, prophet, ask yourself if what, come on, this is an intelligent question. This is an analytical question. What do murder, thief, and evildoer all have in common? Those are hard crimes of commission. Now, we would call being a busybody a moral issue, wouldn't we? But God is linking it with hard crimes against him, against his culture, and against human beings. Murderers murder people. Thieves murder people. Evildoers attack people. So where does busybody now, I looked at the terms because I wanted to make sure that busybody was what well, you could just talk it. Busybody was what we want, okay? I looked at the terms, and let me tell you what I saw. I saw troublemaker, I saw coveter, I saw malefactor, and meddler. Come on, people, are you flowing with me? I need you to flow with me right now because I'm going to break a yoke that's been choking generations for years. Mama, daddy, leader, meddler. That's what it is. Meddling. You are meddling in the Psalm 139, 15, 18 on their lives. You're trying to rewrite the book of life that God already ordained for them and staged all of the events of their lives to fulfill. I'm going somewhere. Tell somebody, tell them you need to listen to this woman today because she's answering your questions. I'm setting some captives free. I'm liberating children. I'm liberating descendants. I'm liberating offspring. And I'm liberating mamas and daddies. You stop praying those prayers that God did not put in your mouth concerning your seed. I don't want him to be a cop because what is he? I'm just going to pray that he fails the exam. That is not your call. And if that's the only call your child has and your child is still wandering around trying to find purpose and destiny 20 years later, 15 years later, and you're yelling, you need to make something of yourself. You need to make something of yourself. You need to go and do so-and-so. And if your child is not doing anything, it's because your prayer killed their destiny. And that's the difference. You killed the one path they had. You shut the door for them to fail. You know, it's so interesting because it reminds me of one of, my, one of those episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond way back when the mama went there to go and help the kids. First she called the guy and said, don't let him do it because he did it and created this completely horrible case against this guy against her son getting that job. And some of you all are doing that. You're petitioning God to kill people's destiny because you want them to go your way. You're not God. You can't keep them. And you found that out because after you prayed that prayer, your kid got lost and hasn't been found since. Your kid is still trying to figure out who they are, why they're on the planet. They're drinking. They're in drugs. They're they're promiscuous. They're they're self-destructing all the way around because the constructive thing God ordained them to do, you shut down. You shut down. I have a daughter who's a cop. I don't know how long she's been a cop. Almost. Now, she might even plug in because she listens to me now and again. But I have a daughter who's been a cop. 
Now, first of all, when she wanted to go to the military, I thought I'd die. I was like, oh, Jesus, not my baby. Oh, God. Oh. And I go to God, my business. And God told me, my business. And I'm telling you, my business. You're a busybody because you're meddling in his business. So I had, So she goes, and she comes back home, bless her heart. And she had a couple of difficult times, but my daughter was never suited to anything else but. She was a fighter from the time she was a toddler. She was a, oh, come on. It was her. We knew it. And so, um, so anyway, she comes out. She gets a job. And when she gets this job, I'm like, God, my daughter, and I get, when she's going to take this, I'm ready to go. I am the mama that can move mountains, honey. My intercession will stop. Stop. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready. Holy Ghost said, my business. And he said, it would be wiser for you to pray for me to keep her than for me to let her flounder and wander in life. Now, I'm telling you, she has whatever she does, but when she's in that role, this girl works that thing. And I'm saying to you, you may be causing your child to flounder for 30, 40 years because you did not have the faith to believe God would keep your kids, to believe God would prosper them. You, and, and if you let them in, you ask God, don't give them a promotion. Don't give them this. Don't let them do that. Don't let them do this. All because of your fears. Your child is bound to your fear all their days. I'm telling you, is there a mama out there that's listening to me? Is there an intercessor out there who's hearing what I'm saying? Are you listening to me, Daddy Pastor Bishop? Well, I want him to, talk, to run the church. He's going to run it in the ground. That is where he's going to run it because it's not his call. He's going to run it over a cliff. He's going to run it right into secularism. He's going to run it right into culturalism. All the holiness that you fought for, all the purity that you decided you wanted, he's going to run that thing in the ground. When intercession turns to meddling. Now, I left you with a dangling question, so I'm going to go back to that dangling question because, you know, I got to go back to the dangling question. What have murder, thief, and evildoer in common? And how does hard crime? Linked with busybody, which we would call a soft issue. And here's your answer. It says, or a busybody, in other words, affair. And the word busybody is defined as one who takes supervision over the affairs pertaining to others in no wise to themselves. In other words, you take on somebody else's business, and then it says a meddler in other people's affairs. You think that your child's life is your business forever, amen. Not true. Your child's life is God's business because you cannot heal them. Not, you cannot raise them from the dead. You cannot give them a good job. They want a job unless you are own your own company. You can't even give them a good job. And yet you are meddling. So what does that mean? The, the murder, listen to this. The word busybody, we told you, it was covetous. It was a covetous. It was a troublemaker. Hear me, people. Hear me. I'm trying to shut somebody's feet today. It was coveter. It was troublemaker. And it was malefactor. And, and, I, and I want to get that fourth word because I don't want to let any of them go. Yes, it was troublemaker, coveter, evildoer, malefactor, and meddler. Now, think about that. Those, how could they be a problem? I mean, come on, Dr. Price. How could that be linked? And Peter is linking them to. Murder and theft? 
Why is that? How can you do that? Number one, you murder their destiny because you are coveting something else for their life. Another term uses desirous. You're desirous of their lives. You are desiring their life fit your scheme. You desire them to live what you failed to live. Some of you all are forcing this on your children because you were too, uh, too uh, uh, afraid to do it yourself. So in, in your own, out of your own fear, you want to replace your fear, take that stigma off of you uh, and, and that, that sense of, 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 of cowardice off of you by forcing your children into something you yourself didn't follow through on. I'm going to need you to back off of that. Other ones, you are you, you so want to have prestige in your life, and you yourself didn't want to put the effort in and the drive in. So now that you have this spiritual club, this spiritual clout that you you think you're using it, and you're extending your parental influence into something that's none of your business. Psalm one thirty nine fifteen through eighteen says that God wrote a book on every life in the planet. He fashioned he put that book, the codes of that book, it says he put in their embryo. Every embryo comes forth with everything God has in mind for them. And he put you together with whomever was the finished uh, making that child to produce a product that fits that book. Go to Psalm 139. If David was unsure if he should be a king or not, he went when he when he got that revelation. He realized that it was in him that he was born to be king. He was born as embryo. His fetus, his childhood, his his pubescence, his adolescence, all of that were coded to get him to the throne. All of it was coded, and God had done it. He, and the circumstances that surrounded it, all of the things that he went through, was to get him there. What if he had, as a matter of fact, David's father had a different vision. David tried to get, David's father, Jesse, tried to put anybody on the throne but the baby boy. He was, he was one of those intercessors. He was interceding with, with Samuel. I want to put him on the board. I want to put him on the throne. Well, how about the oldest child? Not him. How about the next child? Not him. Oh, now on. Let's, here's another example, horrible example. We don't pay attention to it. But let's talk about Laban and how he tricked Jacob. And how Jacob served for seven years, but Laban tricked him and manipulated their destiny. So poor little Leah has to be the second hand, everything, has to be the live her life knowing that she was the wife not chosen, the wife of trickery, the wife pushed upon him because the father had another vision. So God steps in and makes Leah amazingly, amazingly fertile. And he pulls, he brings a ton of the tribe of Israel through it. And then finally, who David, I mean, Jacob really wanted, she finally gets her pregnant. But she's a mean girl. And, and, and the whole thing is very interesting because she gets pregnant and the last child, she dies. And so talk about the, the one that he didn't want. He couldn't unload this one. But he, poor Jacob has got to live with the torment of, of, of fighting with two miserable wives, one because she wasn't chosen and the other one because she's infertile. This is parent meddling. And the Bible is full of parent meddling. And that God gets the best out of it sometimes astounds me. I don't even know how he does it. Bless him, huh? He does. So bless him. He's just the Lord Almighty. And I'm telling you, some of you all, so what is theft? The theft piece has to do with you stealing their destiny. You snatch the harvest on their lives. Because every destiny has a purpose, and every purpose fulfilled has a harvest. And you snatch their harvest. And you, they don't have another thing. You know, you ask, and some of us act like we have these kids who are born 
brilliant, who can do five things well, or who can pick and choose. That's a rarity. Most people have one destiny. Romans 11 says that the gift and calling the single of God are without repentance. The calling, we, said, we quote it wrongly. We quote it as the gift and calling. But there's no plural on the callings. There's calling. One calling. You have one calling, and if you the mama and you the dad or you the pastor or the leader or the or chief prophet or whatever, if you are the, the authority figure in their life are exerting your strength and exerting your clout and sending out prayers, because the Bible said, with two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Ask me what you want me to do. And if you're sitting in a seat of authority, just like every official and every authority, you have a higher uh, influence and a higher power over these people. So you're you're talking about he, this guy is he, he's I mean he's trying. This kid is studying. This girl is taking classes. She can't understand why she can't pass a test. She doesn't understand why she can't get in there. He doesn't understand why he keeps getting fired. He doesn't because you are praying and once you pray him out of the calling, they become victims of all of the consequences of being absent from God's service out of their place in God. Is this talking to anybody out there today? I need to know, you know, because, you know, we usually write down some of your comments. I know you've been writing them down. I've been watching her grab a pen, so I know she has. But I want you to think differently. Intercessors do not. I, we had a, 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 I had a young woman in my ministry, and, you know, because sometimes the kids don't know, and other times they're so, the kids are so bound to the parental concept that they can't do anything different. And, and I had a dream. And, and a, I didn't even have a dream. It was a vision. And, and I had an open vision in where God showed me that the mother had gathered together all of these, um, all of these women in her prayer group to pray this girl out of this ministry. She had her own reasons, and if you heard them, you'd be disgusted like I was. Anyhow, but she had her reasons, and so she prayed this girl out. And it took her five and a half years. Now, I told the girl that the mother was doing it. And she said, yeah, I know. She told me. Right. I said, so you all think that that doesn't matter. But ultimately, this child shipwrecked her life. And I'm telling you, her shipwreck will never bring her back. Because one thing about pulling your kids out of purpose, life moves on. And life closes ranks very quickly. So any opportunities that they would have had, or any advantages they would have had, the minute they step out of the flow, it closes ranks and it's there no more. It's kind of like those kind of um, Indiana Jones movies where they, you know, they get through and then the wall's gone, or the door's gone, and it's just a brick, brick wall. Some of you all have your children standing in front of a brick wall; they can't go forward because of your prayer. They cannot fulfill destiny, and this thing must be really hot with God because He is tired of it. He's because he, these people are playing. But if I wasn't called to do that, and I, well, I guess that's not it. How many of you got your little kids coming and showing you destiny, destiny evolving, and destiny emerging? Talking, oh no, you don't want to do that because your father did that. Well, you don't want to paint because you don't know if your child is going to be a great painter or not. You don't know if they're going to be the painter that helps somebody else get where they're going. Well, you don't want to do that because there's no money in that. You're, that's not your money. You don't have to take care of them. As long as you get your little job, get your little pension, your little Social Security, stay out of the business. Busy body. And then evildoer. Because the, in order, evildoer, very powerful, very powerful. Mm. Because you are breaking their covenant with destiny. You're intervening where you ought not, and you are causing them to disobey their calling, to disobey God, 
Some of these, uh, we've sat down with people said, well, you know, uh-uh, I couldn't say that. I had to wait till my mother died. Some of you all are dying early because you're holding up your kids. Because if, if that kid is meant to do something great, God's going to move every obstacle out of the way. I, I know it sounds, but you know, but we, you know, we deal with God in church. I deal with God in life. God's a sovereign, and he's right. He's, his business is life. He's rolling, trying to work out, causing all things to work together. So I'm telling you today, I know this is important, but I'm telling you, parents, if you can't counsel your kids according to the word of God, he said, ask of me concerning my children. If you can't counsel them according to the word of God, then you know what? Stay in your prayer closet and just don't, don't stay long. Just just pass through your prayer closet because it doesn't take you to long to say this prayer. That will be done. Matter of fact, you don't even need a prayer closet today. You just need some air. Just inhale, that will be done. If you don't know God's will on your child, that will be done. If you're an intercessory group, and we do a lot of training in that area because I'm hard on intercessors. If a church is going to get taken out, it's taken out first with intercessors. If a pastor is going to get have problems, it's going to begin with those intercessors, which is why I love intercessors because they propel you and push you forward. They're like that first line and that first string. They're wonderful, but when they go on, you got to step in. I don't play with an intercessor. When the intercessor starts talking stupid, I'm done. I'm going to pull him in. We're going to have some conversation. When an intercessor starts saying, I'm, I know that nobody else is seeing this but me, I'm, a, I'm going to figure out where you've been that you're picking up false visions. Where have you been? Nobody else is seeing this? Uh-uh, not an intercessor. No. And so I don't have my intercessors out there just by themselves. All my intercessors come under prophets. And I'm telling you something, they have to come under seasoned prophet. But let me tell you something about a baby prophet. A baby prophet will is just as deadly as a as a confused intercessor. A baby prophet will read my book. I got a book here. The Prophet's Handbook is a chapter seven. We talk about the baby prophet where they get mad because you don't listen to them. They get, they like a toddler. They act like toddlers. They have tantrums. They start panting. They go and they get sullen. Go in their room. Won't come out. Won't give you work. You have anything? I have nothing. You're on duty. You better have something. And my they, my prophet couldn't sit in my face and you don't have nothing. Are you are you either on duty or you're out of your office? But you're gonna have something with me. And you're not gonna come up with silly. And so some of you all. You have to realize that even prophets as intercessors, they can intercede on behalf of another spirit and not realize it because they don't understand. As she said earlier, where to place that, that information, context. When I was a prophet, the first thing I prayed for was God context. Let me know this from your mind, your life, your experience, etc. because my view is too narrow. Context. Context. Write that down. Study it. Context. Prophetic context. Most of this stuff were accurate pictures and actual uh, uh, revelation in poor context, wrong context, because prophets are always prone to see things in the immediate and to see it in the personal. It's personal to them. And until they become established in an office, all gifts are personal. So they're personally processed, they're personally, all of them. I'm telling you people, intercession. You realize that Ahab had 400 prophets who interceded. For him wrongly. 400 prophets speaking from another God. Now, and, and Ahab's God is letting them. He's letting them do it. Why? We work, I work hard. When they cannot just drop a word on me. Ask my daughter. And you don't drop a word on me. No, no, you don't know. Where does that fit? Why did God give it to you? Why did he give it to you as opposed to somebody else? What are you doing? What are you watching? I said this to one somebody I was counseling once. I said, what are you watching on television? Because everything about that word smacks or something you're watching or reading. 
yeah, well, yeah, well, right. But you have to sit high in the seat to be able to discern that. That's why you cannot have baby prophets as chief prophets because they cannot filter. They cannot discern. They cannot evaluate. Can I say this again? I'm telling you this is important. And when we get on tonight, maybe we'll cover it a little bit more. But prophetic context, intercessory context, context. You know, we've all, you know, in academic realm and in the scholastic realm, they talk, we always talk about learning the scriptures in context. Well, the scriptures are prophecy. They're prophecy written. And so we still need to get spontaneous prophecy in context. We have to have pure prayer motives. Our prayer motives cannot be selfish, cannot be about, I don't want my son to be on the police force because he might get shot. Then you turn around and your kid go around and get run over by a, a rabbit on the side trip. Come on. It's just that ridiculous, isn't it? Because if God can't keep your child on the planet, it doesn't make a difference what they do for a living. When God says death can have them, they could sit down there and be drinking some soup or, or, or sipping super broth and strangle. Because death and life are not in your hands. What you need to know is that you don't want to shipwreck your child's destiny. I know I went on today, Chief, but I'm sure. How are they doing with it? We are loving it, aren't we, Periscope? I mean, of course, the rabbit. Yes. Well, you know how it is you're walking down the road, rabbit comes before you, you try to dodge it, fall, hit your head. Come on. It's just that silly. Right. Um, I love it. Um, I think it's great, and I think that a lot of uh, parents I'm seeing on here are also loving it, too, to know where those boundaries are. In fact, someone asked a quality question, sure. if you don't mind. I will answer. Uh, just, yeah, taking a moment here. If you are the child who has been the uh, target, if you will, of these prayers, how do you break that in your life? Is it something that you can do once that becomes known? You recognize that's what's happening. And is that what happened? I mean, is that what they're implying? Yes, uh, that, that, that they have had those prayers prayed against them, and now what do I do? How do I do couple of things. spiritually? couple of things. Number one, God has mercy on ignorance. Okay. And if you're listening to this today and you're coming to the knowledge of the truth through it, then God has already uh, compensated for that. He's already considered that, factored that in your destiny. What you have to do now is you have to yourself renounce that, and, 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 you know, the Bible said, uh, resist the devil, because now once mama and daddy finish with it, the devil takes on. He, take, he takes up the administration of it, which is why you get confused and go through crazy. So you have to resist the devil, submit yourself to God. And if you resist the devil and submit yourself to God, the Lord himself will come back and redeem that time. He is a redeemer. Now, and he, so, and most times when you find out at this stage of your life, it's because your destiny was going to be show, was going to show up late in life anyhow. But here's the deal: you cannot, with this knowledge and this awareness, you cannot go back and poll everybody in your family to see if they approve. You're going to have to shut your mouth and follow your follow God's word, believe what He says, and let them discover that you've answered your call. Very, very good. Um, uh, I see. Uh, I see this as something that parents, and in fact, someone just said it just a few minutes ago. So if you are a parent, where are the lines? How do you recognize the lines? Someone is just talking about a 14-year-old dad. How do you recognize the boundaries of giving your kids wisdom and instruction and guidance and mentorship and all the things that parents are supposed to do and meddling? Well, you know, meddling has to do with compelling your will. The first thing you want to do in that situation 
is to check your motive. You know, you, you know, the Bible says every heart knows its own bitterness. So you have to make sure that what you want your child to benefit from in you will benefit their calling. So the first thing you want to do is check your motives. The second thing you want to do is find out what God made your child to do. And most times, people, your children have been working that destiny since they were taught, and you didn't pay attention to it. And I always like to, you know, my daughter loves it when I do this to her. Will you forgive me, daughter? Yes, she will. She's got her hands up. <laughs> my daughter, at two years old, what did you do at two and three on the way up? Well, I mean, it depends on what you Well, she did play. Did she did put play. on play. Oh yeah, but I wrote plays. I did. I did three things. I pray, I did plays. Mm-hmm. I did summons. You and sure I did. did class. She, training people. She used to train her dogs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those kids' destinies are showing up. You just were overlooking them or dismissing them, or thought that they were just playing and they'll grow out of it. Many parents consider what's passionate to their child as a phase, and sometimes it is a phase. But it's still not your place to replace it because that phase could be walking them through the steps of coming into purpose revealed. So the first thing you want to do is check your motives. Check your own heart. The second thing that you want to do is make sure you know what God built your child to do. And, I mean, when we watched it, this girl had to come home every day and spend two hours in this thing. Got a little drama. The poor little dog had to have a thing. She built a set down in the basement of the thing, bricks and woods and stuff. And dog, I mean, I bet he saw her coming and just said, can I just go? Okay, she put she put some costumes on him. You, if I couldn't see that as destiny manifesting, I don't know what. That some of you have kids that can't stop singing. I mean, they sing, sing, sing. You have other kids, you say, boy, if you don't stop dancing, you're going to break up, you're going to mess up. Understand, ask God. That's when you go to God. Is this my child's destiny manifesting itself in everyday life? Because until destiny hits purpose, it's, it's, it's like a paint splatter. It, it's all over the world. It shows up everywhere and whatever. And so that's the, step, that's the next thing. And then the last thing is ask God what to pray. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will, will overcome our infirmities and, and literally with groanings that cannot be uttered, let us pray. And that prayer is not always in tongues. I've had the Holy Ghost guide me in, 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 in prayer my understanding so that I would decree the right thing over a situation. It, I hope that helps. Does that help you? I hope that helps. Yes, they're loving the answers and their responses. Would it be okay to, to consult a trustworthy prophet uh, Absolutely. You know, about this sort of thing. Well, that's a great question. You know, when we were younger, and you'll remember growing up in church, our church, we had uh, uh, once a month, we ministered to the children directly um, on prophecy. We prophesied to them and to reveal their destiny. And it was interesting because you would have thought that I would have seen, now some of the parents couldn't get it because they thought, like, that's far-fetched. Because sometimes um, God's purpose for your child is so far-fetched, your natural mind can't, can't even embrace it. So, yes, we did. We always minister. I love ministering to children now. Prophet Adia is our prophet to the young generation, and we turn her loose. And she will prophesy to your kids, honey. She will prophesy to your youth. She will lay hands. She will speak into where they're stuck. She'll be talking with us in a moment, but she'll speak into where they're stuck. And I've watched this thing. She has a burden for that, and she does a great job at it. So, yes. My prophets have to minister to the next generation all the time. So, yes, if you, and you can also, listen, if you're interested in this, I think it's a great opportunity for us to tell you what, what she does. Prophet Adia is our advisor to the youth. 
she advises the young generation. She goes up to, I guess, what, 23, 25 or something like that. But I remember um, we did this in my church in New Jersey, and we always gave them the tapes. I'm dating myself. You see that? But we always gave them the tape. Today we'll give them an MP3 or jump drive. But we always gave them the tape. And do you know we gave it to them at 7, 12, 14? Those children played them because they're going to play it more diligently than the parent will. And they played those prophecies nonstop and fell into those positions. See, we somebody's going to tell your child what to do with the rest of their life. It ought to be you through the Lord. In order to be the Lord through you. And so somebody's going to tell them. Somebody's going to tell your child to be a drunkard, to be a promiscuous, to be uh, addicted, to be a criminal, to be a, a follower. Somebody's going to tell your child what to do with the rest of their life. It ought to be you. So, yes, Prophet D, you can, when, you, when this is over, you can call, um, go to the website, drpaulaaprice.com. Schedule a life advisement for your child with Prophet Adia, and she will work with them. If you decide that you just want to have a prophetic counsel and you can't afford to bring in, that's all right. We'll set up a webinar in your church, and our our prophets will minister to your young people. We can do that. Now, it's not free, but we can do it. But the point that uh, I do it every week. Come on, I prophesy to people I never see and probably will never meet. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a word. I got, remember Psalm 139. God wrote a book for every life in the planet. And he shaped the days of, those, of that life in the embryo. Job 3, I believe it's 33 or 34, I want to get wrong, said that God heals in everybody's hand their work. Prophets ought to know that. Prophetic people ought to know that. Last week, I gave a, a very extensive discussion on why Moses was sitting down telling people their prophecy. If you, did, if you didn't join me last week, you need to go back to Blog Talk Radio and listen to that. But I want you to know, I know that we spend a lot of time, but there are some times that I need to give you attention and to answer your questions and your concerns. And I want to say to you as intercessors, I'm going to speak to head intercessors. You need to be a full guardian of your office, and you need to make sure that you are so hearing God that your intercessors under you are shielded. Young intercessors, Satan likes that because they have no guards. They have no filters. They have no, no, no way of questioning. They don't know how to challenge anything. They're just, they're just experiencing. That's all they are, feeling, experiencing seeing and saying, receiving. That's why we need uh, training. It's unfortunate that intercessory training is usually just summed up and us get together, reading some scriptures, picking out our favorite scriptures, yada, 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 ta da 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 No, no, no. That's not how it works. You have to be well-versed in the institution that you are praying for if you're going to be a staff intercessor, if you're going to be a church intercessor. You need to be well-versed in that field. You need to understand that thing. You cannot be just little, little Susie homemaker at home. I mean, because that was good before, but the world has gotten complicated. So you cannot be just little Susie homemaker at home and while you scrambling eggs and making breakfast. I, 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 just, I just pray, and then the Lord just showed me something. Yeah, but the Lord showed you what you could take. Did he show you what he needed you to get? And, and could he? Because would he overwhelm you? Would you simply stop interceding because it's too deep? Because I've gotten revelation from God where, like Daniel, I was laid out for days. So he can't show you what's going to lay you out for days because you're the mama with the kids. 
So you have to have training and you have to have people placed in the right place. That woman with the mother with the children, she is great, but she cannot handle deep things. Well, I can do it when the kids go to school. You probably can, but then you still have your housework. The point is you still need education. I don't care what you do. I don't care what level you're on. I don't care what your life is. We have got to stop treating intercession as a pastime. Because we do, we treat it as a little spiritual pastime. Well, you know, I can't, I can't go to work. I got to stay with my kids, so I might as well be an intercessor. That the job is too important. If you have a tiny little church, an insignificant little church, yes, yeah, that's fine. So, do you have some things you want to read to me? Uh, you want to look at? Yes, yeah, or, or you can yeah. make your comment. Sure, I want to say just one thing, um, and that is. Uh, someone was asking about, you know, a segment at this year's Health and Prophetic Forum for the young people, and I thought we could take an opportunity to let them know that is going to happen and that they need to go visit that site. Um, yes. When you go to www.drpaulaaprice.com, uh, you go and you click for the information about the event, we now have information up there about how you can bring your young people to our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, mm-hmm. ages uh, 15, I believe, to 18. Mm-hmm. Okay, 15 to 18, Prophet Adia Peterson is doing a special session just for young people so that we can start this process of, A, getting them to hear from God, uh, B, being able to cooperate with God concerning their purpose and destiny, and see if we can create a better, you know, fusion and, and communication even between them and their parents. So that will be this year. The sessions are at the evening hour for the young people. So if you want to uh, make sure that your children uh, qualify for that 15 to 18, um, they will need to be able to sit through the main sessions during the day. They'll have their own great times and things to do throughout. Uh, but we are inviting them to come. So if you want to bring yourself and your family, you can do that in June. In June. All right, so I wanted to get that out there because they were asking about this since this topic is just so uh, uh, powerful and, and significant for what it is that uh, uh, parents want to do in their lives with the kids right now. Exactly. Uh, and I want to talk, I'm going to sure. pray about something that we can do for those that are a little younger than that. I keep hearing we need to get 12 to well, 15 covered, and I really want to do something. God says 10. Because, you know, children are exposed so young this year. Of course. Well, we do have still the prophetic camp that's in the wind. Okay, okay good. As well, because we wanted to have something where they could stay actively engaged all summer. So, you know, just stay tuned to what we're doing because we're on, we're rolling out quite a few things for the ages of uh, really uh, eight and, and even some five, yeah. really. And, oh, you were four. Yes. And so... Uh, we are rolling out some things in the summer of 2017 just for those, uh, all of those age ranges because it's probably the passion to uh, help parents learn how to nurture their uh, callings to ministry and things of that nature as uh, well as we do to dance mm-hmm. and performance and all of those other places. So just stay tuned to us because we're going to be rolling that out. Very exciting. Not yet. Not done yet. And... If there is a, if you have a youth session that you would love to have her to be a part of, why don't you reach out to us on our website and say, you know what, I would love to have your prophetic team minister to my youth. You know, we have youth, everybody have these little, what do you call it, youth groups and youth nights or whatever they do, youth camps. But you know what, we have got to start letting God be the first entree into their lives and begin to have a way for them to walk away with their prophetic life settled. You know, we do that for adults. We do that for professionals. We put together prophetic intelligence reports on a professional professional organizations, leaders, thought leaders, et cetera. We do that now. 
why why isn't that happening for a kid? What would happen if a kid could walk away with something like that? So we have a lot. She's right. Pay attention to the website because we have quite a bit that goes out for the body of Christ. But I am hot on on God speaking to children from as young as they can. He spoke to you from four. You know, I told you I told you about her little story and about her when she was a toddler and when she grew up in her teens at 16, she put on a first little play. She wrote it. She put it on at a, at a local uh, playhouse. And then my daughter went off to Oral Roberts University and graduated, graduated. Now, that gets me. I'm looking at it at two and four. And yet when she gets to um, Oral Roberts University, she gets her degree in Drama, television, and film. If I had squashed that destiny then. Now, here's the joke. She is a, a, a couple of my, a couple of my prophet asked the same thing. Um, but here's, here's the thing. Now, they do that, but they're prophets. And the prophetic side of their life is popping off things that are just unbelievable. But they're prophets. They're well-trained prophets so they can serve God and they can bring God to life in ways that other people cannot. So trust me when I say to you, you want your children to get this as young as possible so that you know how I, I nurtured her. We sent her to school for it because I said, well, if this is what she's going to do, we put her in the drama school program. Um, we did all of that because we watched, and, and I, well, I got a word on her when I was carrying her, but we watched God develop her calling. And so I would love to spend time with some of you just to say, you know what, I, let me tell you what to look for. Let me tell you how to check these signs up. Let me show you this. I, in my church, I did it. And, you know, some, you know, some parents got it, some didn't. But to those who did, they literally shifted their children and put them into so-and-so. I prophesied a little baby. Tyler, what do I do? I go in the restaurant. I have got – go ahead. And not even just a restaurant. Uh, Dr. Price does a very unusual baby <laughs> dedication. I do. Um, so when she dedicates babies, um, it's very, very unusual. She does, of course, she prophesies any kid she sees around <laughs> if she can speak to them, um, whether we're um, in the store, in the restaurant. But when you actually do the baby dedication, what is it that you do for them? You give them a starting prophecy on their life. Yes. And we've had people. And they get a plaque. And they get a plaque uh, and, and a little um uh, often not like a scroll, but just something like that, mm-hmm. uh, that just that their parents can keep and they get a recording and all that. People who have done it have come back and they're, you know, years later, later, years later, their kids are now 10, 12, and, you know, 16, whatever years old, and they'll say, man, that prophecy you gave was uh, accurate. Mm-hmm. It was literally guiding the kid's life, especially for the parents who really did honor that, take that seriously. I have uh, parents who keep it over their bed. Yeah. I have other parents who play play their prophecy for their kids now that they're older, uh-huh. okay, they get a chance to go back and hear what was said about their lives and allow the Lord at a very, uh, at really, at their inception mm-hmm. into this world, be able to steer their life into destiny. And sometime before, I mean. Yeah, because you've done it in, in the womb. Before they got pregnant. Okay, yeah. so you're going to have this child. This is what this kid is going to do. And let me tell you, I, 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 I don't know why, because God so much this generation, I probably need to think about that. I go in a restaurant in this parish. We were in um, uh, D.C. D.C. and this family came in and just uh, the cutest little girl and the, and they had this little look like he was kind of a withdrawn son. And so I just started talking to the parents and chatting with them. I was like, "You have a great family," on and on and on. And I said, "But now her, she's a poet. Now this girl is going to write some amazing poetry. She's going to do whatever, on and on and on." 
And then I said, but him, he's the engineer. He's going to build stuff. And then this one over here, quiet as it's kept, he's the banker. Now, I'm telling you, we are in the lobby. We're in Cheesecake Factory. And the mother says, well, how do you know that? She does write poems. And he is always building. And, and the father said, and him, he's always concerned about the money. Now, that's how young that destiny is. I said, don't ignore those things, but train your children in that way. Had another situation. I don't know why I'm spending so much time on this today, but I guess God wants his people, his kids to be dressed. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me and to forbid them not. And so we, were, we had another, this is a little tragic, but we had another situation going back, I don't know how, how long ago, and we had a little girl in our midst, and this little girl was whining. And, I mean, this was the whiniest child. Now, Dr. Price is terrible with whining kids. If ever you want to meet somebody who cannot do I don't have a grade for it. My kids had to talk early. They had to talk early because I wouldn't communicate with them. And so I am terrible with whining. And, and, and the rule in my house was if you want my attention, talk. So my kids talked very early because they needed their mother to answer them. And I was because whining is just a form of communication with your child. Kind of like, you know, you know monkeys grunt and, and bears growl and whatever. Until you teach your children otherwise, whining is the communications matter. So I'm sitting there, and this is the whining baby. But every time she whines, I'm in her soul, and her soul is hemorrhaging. And this is a little girl. I'm like, this is one miserable little girl. She's sorrowful. And I knew that her whining was something else. Well, we went on and investigated. But come to find out, that little girl was, was a victim of abuse, and she couldn't tell anybody. And because she couldn't tell anybody, she just whined. And I went in her soul and saw this, and true, it took, what, two weeks, three weeks for it to show up? And I'm telling you. And so I was just in a restaurant recently, and a little girl was whining, and I'm like, God, if they don't take this child home, you know, I'm so, and baby, I'm the worst woman. Pray for me because I don't have that grace. I think children are bright, and I think that we often pander to their, their childhood, their childishness instead of their brilliance. So I go, and this woman She's got these three kids, and they're sitting, and this little girl is whining. I said, God, he said, she's having problems in her daycare. I said, huh? And so she starts again, and her mother snatches her off, and he says, she's having problems in her daycare. And we used to do that when we had those overnight camping trips with kids. We found out that these kids are going through. Now, I'm saying all of that to say that it's not just about destiny. There are things that your child is living that could destroy their destiny and you don't even know it. You're being a good parent, doing everything you know. This was not even something the parents were doing. This was, these were, neither of these were the parents. These were, these were all caregivers. And so, um, and I say that to you to say there are a lot of things, you know, we need a lot more prophet ideas who are trained and not culture conditioned. And so we need a lot more. We're having our whole thing this year devoted to organic prophetic in June. And so we need a lot more of them training, and I, I think we're going to include a place where we want to, we want to train youth prophets in prophetic youth ministry, because I think we need that. We need to have that. But I hope that, are you all okay with me taking this kind of time? Uh, really? Because, you know, I know some of you all are lined up for your questions, and I don't want to miss that. But sometimes God wants to do what God wants to do, and I, I would like it to be that he always can. Would you, would you like to give some final comments or something? Uh, sure. I, I think that, uh, you know, children in, in destiny are always important. And any time we get a chance to get ahead of it, you know, get ahead of darkness, get ahead of all of those things mm-hmm. that we know uh, stop our children from. In fact, you talked about those 
soul stalkers, and they can start as early as, you know, the fourth and, you know, four and five and six years old. Mm-hmm. So anytime we can get the wisdom and the guidance to get ahead of that and begin to shape those things in our children, I think it's important to take the time mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, a lot of parents want to uh, fulfill their responsibilities mm-hmm. before the Lord with integrity and stewarding their children and all of that. But uh, these nuanced wisdoms, you know, of course we don't know. As you know, being a parent, there's no book that you can go back and say, well, what is the wisdom I should be using right now to nurture this particular ability and gift? Yeah. And I do think that it does, you know, as we used to say back in the day, take a village, amen, to do that. And having the right people around you, you as their parents and others, who are imparting wisdom and, and uh, courage and confidence and, and instruction and all of that into their lives at this early age. I don't think it's ever too early to get your children uh, involved with God building and cultivating a relationship with God. What was one of my favorite teachings that I used to listen to at night all the time? Does God listen to kids? I know. It helped my prayer life. And so, you know, uh, in addition to the parents um, cultivating the destiny, I think it's important, um, and, and you touched on this, that they also cultivate a direct relationship between their child and, and God. It, has, it saved me throughout my life, the fact that from four years old, I could talk to God, I could pray to God, I had an interaction with him. He was able to help me when I was in school, when I was going through, when I was being bullied, when all those things were happening. God was there. He, he was, was able there. to speak to me and talk to me about how to navigate those situations and circumstances. So I think that as early as possible, that we can cultivate a destiny in them and b a, re- a strong relationship with their parents who are mentoring and coaching them, mm-hmm. um, as well as this relationship directly with their heavenly Father, exactly. who, who will lead and guide them. It, it's hard to believe, but God really did lead and guide me into a lot of truth. When I go back and look on it, you know, when I was not in your presence. I'm now, not- granted, Doctor Grice's prayers. They had a significant reach. Tell them what you thought about God when you were growing up. Oh, I thought God was the third parent in the house. uh, He was always present. She personified him the same way she does for you today on Periscope. It was like that growing up. God was real. He was right there. He was always leading (laughs) us. So at the end of the day, I... You know, I was I became so responsive to the Lord, but He was able to nurture the destiny in me, even when you weren't around to help me make decisions about purpose and destiny and all of those things. And so I think that it's a threefold course. Would you not say? I'm sure it is. We need the parents. We need they need their God, and of course they need those coaches and guidance counselors and Sunday school people Mm -hmm. who will reinforce what they're learning or being brought up into at home. Exactly, and you know it's so interesting because one of the things that I will tell you that helped me with my success um, with my daughters, even now, they're living their lives loving the Lord as God has ordained them to love Him and leading their, raising their families that way. But I'll tell you one of the things that I never did, I and I think it's a parental error that we have to work through, and that is I never, ever put myself in God's place in my children's lives. If God countermanded something I did, I told them that he did. I said, you know what, my answer to this is I don't want you to do this, but this is God. Or my answer is so-and-so. And I made it a point to distinguish my parenting from God's parenting and God's shepherding of that life. And sometimes parents put themselves in God's feet in their children's life so that they are the very voice of God and the children never, ever get to learn God's voice. So I made a big deal. Like my daughters would ask me questions. I'm like, but did you ask God? That would see she hear her laughing. 
She's laughing because I was, did you ask him why? I forced him to. And I knew scripture, so I knew as another day was coming back with the right answer. I mean, Paul had to ask him one thing one time when she was younger, and before she hit the top of the stairs, she's screaming. I'm like, what is going on? He said no. Right, you know it is. And I wanted that. Now, I didn't do it for home because, I, I mean, come on, I could roll my children at home. But I wanted her to have, I wanted all of them to have access to God so that when they left my house, they went to the God of, they stopped serving the God of their mother and the God of their father, and they began to serve their God. God became their God. When you read Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of them, they grew up with Abraham's God until God met them on the road. And when God met Isaac on the road and he met Jacob on the road, he then became their God. When did you allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be your child's God when they stopped and you stopped being the voice of God? Because that's a question. I don't know how we got on this today, but there is something that's in this because God is not letting this go. When did you do that? So I want to try to get a few calls in, but are you all okay with listening to this and going through this? I've gone over on, I never go over on Periscope, never, but I went over, all right? So there is a prophet idea out there in the wings, and if she's out there in the wings, you know, see what happened with prophet Ashley, leave us alone? She can't leave us alone. I'm telling you, since the girl left us and we all we all over time and everything, you know, Chronos be like, what? So, Prophet Adia, are you out there? <laughs> yes, I am out there in the wings. <laughs> waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it's been well, you know, really you powerful. Think, you know, as our prophet in the youth, tell me, what what did you feel about today? And what are some of the things that you'd like to, you know, just share briefly with our listeners and viewers? Uh, well, I, I think it really confirms that God is is on the move in this generation. He's been uh, speaking to me quite a bit about that, about the fact that he is tapping uh, his future right now. Uh, so I think it's so powerful that he um, moved you to really release your apostles anointing over this today, um, because God is stirring in the hearts, especially of young children right now and, and teens as well, but God is really stirring in their hearts. And I think it's so important that you were able to speak to the parents today about being able to allow God to move uh, in their children's destinies uh, because God is um, aggressively tapping those, this next generation for him right now. So um, I was very moved today because he's been speaking to me about this um, uh, very recently and, and have, has been pressing me to pray that his children would be able to uh, get in their places in terms of being in a posture to be able to hear him. So God is tapping the Samuels, you know, he's tapping those Debras out there. He's tapping the Joshua's he's tap, tapping the Joseph's he's aggressively tapping his future Kings and presidents and all of that. And it's, it's not just a U.S. thing, but God is doing this globally. Um, and so I think it's so powerful that the show went in this direction today uh, because obviously, you know, God needs to get this message out uh, so that he can do what he needs to do. Well, it's powerful. Well, okay, so Periscope, we're going to shift over to Block Talk. Y'all gave you 20 extra minutes. You know I never do that. Don't get hooked on the idea. And uh, But we're going to go over to Block Talk. Join me again this evening for Prophetic Ed at 8 p.m. Central Time. And in the meantime, though, 
share this with everybody you know, your pastors, your leaders, your youth leaders, your intercessors, your prophets. Share this with your neighbors and, and your friends and family. Share it with everyone because this is where God is as far as the future. There is no future without children. Children guarantee the day after tomorrow. And we, we cannot have a future without children. I don't care how much they, we push whatever, you cannot have a future without children. And God's future will only be a blessing if we bring the children to him. If not, if we don't bring children to the Lord, then the future is all about judgment. And that's not what we want. So join us now. Prophet Adir, we're going to let you do your part. And we just want to share that number. Just probably do share the number for Blog Talk so that those that want to join us on Blog Talk Radio can do so. Yes. We want you to basically join us. And, of course, if you have a question, want to uh, get some prayer from Dr. Price, we want you to go ahead and select that number one as well. Uh, uh, and, and, and tell them to key it up while she's talking. Yes, and Linda will probably post that number for me here just shortly. But while we, we're waiting on that, probably, can you go ahead and just share the number? All right. Yes, everyone. The number to dial into the program is area code 319-527-6218. 319-527-6218. If you'd like to speak with Dr. Price in this hour, you need to press that number one when you log on so that you can get into our queue and we can go ahead and get your information to be able to speak with Dr. Price. Again, 319-527-6218. All right. All right, there's the number. Okay, well, Prophet D, I'm going to let you do the announcements, and we'll get ready for the remainder of our show. I want to thank you for listening to the Paula Price Show today. We are online every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time to take your call. And we welcome you and we thank you for listening, especially if this is your very first time. We thank you. We say God bless you. Make this your your Thursday morning program. We're going to be here every Thursday, 11 a.m. one o'clock to 1 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. We're live on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. Blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. That's where you can find us. You can RSS feed online at the Paula Price Show website there, blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. You can RSS feed so that you'll never miss a beat, never miss an episode of the program, and we encourage you to do that. If you are an iTunes subscriber, you can download the Paula Price Show broadcast. And can we encourage you to leave a review for us? Please, please, please leave a review of the Paula Price Show on iTunes. If you catch us on the podcast app, you can download the podcast app to your phone or to your iPad and then subscribe to the show. And when you do, please leave us a review. Let us know how much you enjoy the show and spread the word to your Apple family. Let them know they can download the show via iTunes podcast. All right, just want to let you know a few quick details. The the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute is coming up June 21st through the 24th. Those dates are solidified June 21st through the 24th. Don't miss this. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. You can register now online at drpaulaaprice.com. Again, you can register now online at drpaulaaprice.com. We are still adding information to the page, so just continue to visit for the full schedule. We have a little bit of details about the schedule on there now. We will soon have all the speakers and their biographies as well as a full 
schedule. But so just stay tuned to the site. Uh, very soon you'll be able to go to an entire website just for this where you can get some more details and information. But right now you can register. I want to let you know very quickly and then I'm going to turn it back over so we can take your questions. Early bird is $99. That's now through May 1st. Buy one, get one. We're going to extend that to the 25th of March. So you can get that deal for a little bit longer. Um, and we want to extend that to you. Buy one, get one for $70 a ticket. So it requires you to buy both the tickets at one time. If you buy one for if you buy one for 70, you can get one for 70. So it's a really great deal. We want you to take advantage of that, but they have to both be purchased at the same time. All right. So buy one, get one $70 each. That's the best deal out there right now. Take advantage of this. The teen and the youth rate for ages 15 through 18 is $65. The teens must apply to be able to attend. We want to know a little bit more information about the teens that are going to be coming, so they must apply to be able to be a part of this special event. So again, you can click the uh, link there that says request info so that we can go ahead and send you the details for how you can get your junior prophet or your young prophetic vessel out to this event. We also have a family of four rate. We have a near member collaborative rate and then our PPM global student rate, as well as a return rate for 2006 tourneys. So if you were a member of the 2016, the class of 2016 uh, for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, and you're coming back to join us, your rate is 89. So take advantage of that too. You have a great rate to be able to come out and join us. So we want you to be a part of all that's going on. And you can register there online at drpaulaprice.com. There's also group rates. So if you're listening on the line and you say, look, I want to bring my prophetic school, I want to bring my prophetic company, you can bring your groups for great deals. If you bring a group of 10 or more, it's only $75 a ticket. If you're bringing a group of five or more, it's $99 a ticket. And these tickets, these ticket prices for the groups, they never expire. So you can register all the way up until the day of under the group rates. All right. So check that out, Dr. Paula A. Price. Dot com, drpaulaprice.com. Don't forget to do that. Right now, I'm going to turn it over so that we can uh, just take a short, I believe we'll take a, a short commercial break, and then we're going to head right into your calls. So I'm going to turn it back over to the team so we can get to your calls in this last hour of the Paula Price Show. All right. Thank you, Prophet Adia. We'll be right back after this message. Dr. Paula Price invented an online assessment series that took Bible ministers' core attributes and requirements and created insightful questions that tells you how God created you to serve His kingdom. The minister's assessment questionnaire determines your dominant gifts and faculties, the temperaments that best fit them, character assets, competence level and reliability, mastery, accuracy, and more. The Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire is tailor-made to identify your mantle, sphere, emphasis, classification, communication style, delivery maturity, readiness, and more. Don't wait. Take your assessment right after today's show at www.ppmglobalresources.com. If you are a leader wanting to assess your team, visit the site to schedule a demonstration or call 877-419-1299 and ask for Chief Prophet Tala Price to discuss our group options. Okay, and we are back. You see, this is what happens when I leave you alone, Dr. Price. You're right. <laughs> you and Chief together don't need any help. <laughs> no, no. No, no. You know, we are very, very, very compatible and so and we got that we got past, present and future in common and that's the issue. 
you know, so you cannot put her on next time because she's not good for me. Oh, she's I perfect did. for you. I said the same thing. I enjoyed it. It was marvelous. Maybe my listeners will let me know. Facebook is let them know what they thought about me and my daughter being tag team. Okay, Prophet Ashley, we got time for a few calls. Let's see how many we can get. I don't know that we'll get more than three in today, but let them be three that the Lord needs to address. Okay, well, the first one is Zanita. She was your last caller from last week, and you told her if you get in first, you got it. And she was she's here. Zanita, welcome back from Indiana to the Paul Price Show. Thank you so much. Hi. Hey, Zanita, are you okay? Did you enjoy the show the first half? Yes, I did. I said, and when when we got her, I said, okay, I really hope Zanita hung tough with her. Oh, yeah, I did. (laughs) Okay, so let's start all over again. Let's start. So you're the first lady, so we're starting all over again. So let's start all over again because we don't have the same people listening every week. So let's act like you haven't called before, and we'll start with that. Okay. Um, I was calling because I have dreams, um, and they happen. And um, so, like, I may see planes falling and in my dream and they'll fall. Or, or in my area where I live, like, I can sense violence or death, and it happens. And I just wanted, like, some guidance or something or, you know, maybe you guys, you know, can help or I can get on your program. I heard it mentioned briefly, but I didn't get the website. Oh, okay. Well, let me start with the first thing, website. How about that? DrPaulaAPrice.com. Does that help? So get started with that. Let's get that out the way. Um because I think it's important that that you get on the program because I frankly know exactly where you are and what's happening in your life. I also encourage you to get my book. If you don't have it, um, I would encourage you to get the, um, the uh, what do you call it, the Church Prophets, because you need it. Okay, you Church need Prophets. Okay, and I don't know if you have the dictionary. You might like that, too. Sometimes most people really get a kick out of the dictionary. Um, I do but, have your dictionary. I just got it. Okay. So did you get a chance to look up dreams? No. Okay, because you want to look up dreams because I have a, I have quite a thorough statement on, um, you know, um, that I have quite a, a thorough statement. I'm looking in the book here to – I'm looking on a section here because one of the things I say in, in Chapter 7 – of the book is that young prophets, you, the reason you know it is the minute the enemy knows you dream, that is mm-hmm. when he begins to start uh, trying to piggyback on your line. Okay, so he's going to piggyback on your channel. And, um, and and the reason I bring that out is because you, it's at that point that your dreams are, and I notice there's a common trend, they're all doomed. That is because of how the enemy really programs prophets. Um and they start, and the enemy starts with doom because doom will cause people to dodge you. They don't want to hear it, you know. They um they don't want to uh, they don't want you to speak into their lives because they swear it's going to be a curse. Because the enemy starts with that, and that's all. And the reason he starts with it, and the reason you're susceptible to it, is because of um uh, that you hear God. God has not cleansed that spirit. That spirit has got to be awakened, you know. And so mm-hmm. the reason. All of that has to happen 
in order for you to understand what God is doing. But because when you get it, it's kind of like anybody else. You only realize if somebody learning to sing, they got to get the clarity of the voice, they got to clean out some stuff, you know, and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And so in your case, it is the same thing. You are, every prophet starts with the negative. It starts with doom. And without a strong, because um, it starts with judgment, you know, it starts with judgment. Mm-hmm. In addition, here's the upside of it. You're going to like the upside. The upside of all of this, though, is that you also are in a position where you're starting at the intercessory level. You are supposed to pray. You know, so God okay. is letting, he's awakening you to see what's going on and, and what the enemy would like to do, what he does, and you pray. Now, some of your prayers, you're going to get in the middle of praying, and, and, and it's going to work. Others, not so much. But understand, when if you're going to be a dream of dreams, you will prophet starts with doom. They can't help it because our spirits have to be awakened to the, the life of Christ in that area. I, I, I heard you say you wanted to take um Classes, yeah, you do. You want to do that. And I'm not saying you don't get negative messages. That's so not my word because, you know, it is a corrective office. But it's also a productive office. And it is the prophetic literally is God's fertility office. God does everything by his word. So there's a lot of fertility in the word of a prophet, which is the enemy knows that. So he wants to get you sharing dreams about, you know, planes falling and hundreds of people dying. You know, that's not God. God's like, if I don't have to do that, I'm not doing it. And if I have to do it, you need to know that there was no better way. And so because he told me that sometimes when I'm praying to him, I said, you know, God, um, I just really think you, uh uh-uh. He said, if I have a more excellent way, I will always choose the more excellent way. And love for God is the most, it's just not his exclusive way. So so what you're dealing with right now is that the enemy has tapped into the fact that you are a dreaming prophet. I want you to study dreams out of my dictionary and also look it up when we talk about the young prophet. I I want to think it's chapter 7 in my book. I'm looking for it. Um, Maybe somebody will find it because I've got a couple people here. But uh, I want you to, to really start, because uh, chapter 7, uh, yep, and that's where we are. I want you to really read chapter 7 in, in my book, and I'm looking at, um, um, okay, I, I'm going to read this because I found a page. God, is good. Woo. Okay. You will love it. Um, I want to go back to the beginning. Here's one more, page 171, when you get your book. Here's one more reason novice prophets should not be installed as church prophets. I have found that young and untrained prophetic people see only evil and doom in the beginning of their ministry. They discern who will die and what God should judge more than anything else. The fundamental nature of prophetic character expires, inspires this until divine nurturing teaches otherwise. Uh, an early predisposition to the flesh can motivate newcomers to the prophetic to confuse their soulish realm with the spirit of God. Consequently, what they hear from God, although it comes pure, mixes with their immaturity, hurts, and anger, and makes them mistakenly deliver opinions, perspectives, and perceptions as prophecy. A tendency toward this reaction to the church conflict threatens to make church prophets more psychic than prophetic, because the enemy is trying to make you a psychic. While it does not mean mm-hmm. they are serving a it does show that they are more attuned to the intelligence of their soul than the revelations of God's spirit, at least initially, that is. I want to read this next section, if it's all right. Um, okay. 
Uh, this is from page 173. Un undeveloped wounded prophets make ready tools or weapons of the devil's arsenal. He only needs to study them briefly to note the doom and gloom that surrounds them. These prophets are unwilling for the Lord to forgive and redeem his works because they are full of unforgiveness. And this is just a generic statement. Such prophets remind you of Jonah the prophet and his disappointment at Nineveh's forgiveness by God. Seasoned prophets, on the other hand, are on guard for potential harm and danger lurking to invade their flock. But two prophets recognize them as man-made tools of enlightenment, and it goes on. So this is, um, you can, if, when you get your book, and for those of you who have the book, it's page 171 to page 174. And so did you understand how that works now, based on what we I just read you? Yes, yes, I, I was just just wondering why I was getting the the negative part, why it was, like, coming true, but I don't tell people because I don't want people to think I'm weird. So I just no. have this friend that I tell that is a prophet, and, and you know, she may go over it with other prophets, but I don't I don't tell anyone. I don't want to sound weird. So let me tell you, go with me on this. Would you go with me on this, Zanita? It is so easy for prophets. Let me tell you how prophets are. That's why Chapter 7 of this book is going to bless your life. We all begin the prophetic in private sessions with God. That's how we begin. I mean, we read our Bible, God talks. You are clearly coming into an awakening prophet. There is no question about that in my mind. And so we all begin that. God speaks to us privately, and because we get what he says in that closed environment, we conclude that we are, and I'm saying this generically. Please hear what I'm saying. We conclude that we got it, we've got the answers, etc. When God opens us up to the adversary, because when he opens us to his world, his world includes the adversary. When he opens us up to the adversary, it is then that we realize, as you just said very articulately, particularly when you entered this call, that we need training, but also young prophets need guardianship. They need strict guardianship and strict accountability because, because they can be pawns of, of, of demonic scouts looking for psychics in God's prophets. And so it's very – they'll do that. You'll get dreams of that. You'll get dreams of doing because everything to make it unpleasant for you to serve God prophetically is thrown at you. You aren't doing anything wrong. You're just being you. You know what I mean? You're not doing anything yeah. else. I don't want you to hear that because if you walk away from this call hearing that, then you will be you will be more vulnerable because the more you the more offense a prophet walks in, the the more they become magnetized by Satan's other ways. That you get offended on and trust me, I had this. I when my early days if I tell every prophet listening to me today, don't indulge offense because you have to realize that this training period is just like you're being in a classroom. You cannot get offended because you keep getting the question wrong. You know, you can't get offended. Mm -hmm. not, I mean, people do, but I mean, what's, your, what's the point? And I hear this. There is such a stalking. I want to tell you, I'm prophesying to you right now, woman of God. Number one, you're going to have to walk in love. For you, walking in love is your power. And I don't mean that mushy stuff that we're talking about with, the, um, you know, what we're accustomed to. I'm talking about that love for God that's going to keep you straight, that love for God that call, checks you, etc. That's number one. Number two, you are called to be a dreamer 
a dreaming prophet. That's how God speaks to you, visions and dreams. There are people who get transmissions the other way. He speaks to you that way. But being a prophet that gets it through visions and dreams is much more challenging. And the reason it's challenging is because you have to have high interpretive faculties. Your faculties have got to interpret that dream, as you heard me say earlier, in context and then within the, the, the scope of what God is doing and using you to be a part of. It's an instrument. Granted, you're an instrument. The dream's an instrument. But you have to do that. But if you, if you don't have strong interpretive abilities, which is what you must have if you're a dreamer more than a hearer and whatever, you will always walk around with a bundle of unanswered spiritual transmissions that drive you nuts. They do. I mean, that's why I wrote these books. When I, you know, when I wrote the Prophet Dictionary, I I didn't start out writing a dictionary. I actually started out trying to understand what God is saying. We moved into that for me trying to come up with some sort of common language for my trainees. And from there, we got the dictionary. You need both of these tools, and you do need training. But I'm telling you, because you're called to the, the dream is the softest, um, it's kind of like hardware software, the softest side of God's prophetic transmission. And it's also the one more likely to be subject to bias and more likely to be personified. It becomes your personal thing because it came out of you as opposed to coming to you. And so uh, I would love to you know, you to get these books, but, yeah, you're right. You do need the training. Do not hang up this phone acting as if you did something wrong. You, The only thing you did in all of this is you emerged. Okay. Oh, I really appreciate it. I know. Because, honey, they're able to drive you crazy. You know, anyway, you know, a prophet's office is only 30 seconds max from crazy anyway, so it doesn't take much to push us <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. Always cheering up back. Or, you know, we're on the seesaw, same and nuts, same and nuts. <laughs> You know, and the thing that turns that seesaw into a level bridge is education and training and covering. And also I would say to you what I would say to every prophet awakening out there, how you're awakened to the prophetic determines the trials that you'll live through as you grow as a prophet. So if you're awakened to the prophetic by an occultic, a very soulless prophet, very worldly, secular prophet, you're going to have a ton of trials in that area. Because you're, and your trials are going to be intensified because God has got to wash away all of the old, all of that, that carnality, just to get to the spirit of the prophet that's in you. And if the spirit of the prophet is awakened by those, those things literally set down in your spirit and they, they mix. That's why it's important that you're awakened by the prophet that you know God is calling you to be. Now, there are some people who are called to be, you know, very, you know, the, the worldly prophets and all of that. They're called to be that. That's why. But they're not, not everybody. But the problem is when you're awakened that way, you have no standard for what is right or wrong other than sensualness, what it feels like. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I never let my people fall into that. I was like, no, no, uh, we, we have a, a very, very uh, uh, structured training program to develop discipline because dis- discipline in the beginning, a discipline is an antagonist to a prophet. Don't tell me I can't speak. Don't tell me I can't say it. Don't tell me I don't know how to do it because the, you come out of this private woman of Christ, you and God alone, and then you have to face his world, and that's when the shocks come. 
and that's what you're feeling. Even that bitterness you feel right now in your spirit, that's the shock waves of coming out of the prayer closet to face God's public. Okay. And and it's it's settled. Now, don't forget, you know, I do prophetic training on uh, Thursday night at 8 p.m., so you do want to join me on Thursday night prophetic ed. Okay, I did last week. I was on there last week. Good. All right, so I'm going to pray now, and then we're going to, you're going to take that assessment. The MAQ is, is, is a start for you. We make everybody start with that anyway, because we need to know what you are as a minister before we find out what you're, how you're going to handle your specialty. And so you want to take that MAQ, and it's on, as you heard, we have our, we're running the special this month with 10% off, so it's already discounted. It's, it's reasonable. From there, you will get your advisor with one of our advisor profits. If you haven't done business yet, I'm running through it. Your advisor profit is going to use that MAQ result to structure, customize a program of readiness just for you, the way you think. So yours is going to have a lot about dreams, et cetera, once you get past the foundational, uh, you know, gen eds and the core stuff that you need to know. So then once you do that, you get an opportunity to sign up for this program, and now you get one-on-one training that is specific okay. to how God will you and how God will use you as a prophet. So we don't send okay. you out unprepared, and we send you out on a platform for succeeding. Okay. All right. Thank so you so way, much. You're welcome. So you're going to go to drpaulaprice.com, and mm-hmm. you're say, say, take an assessment, and that's what's going to happen. Father God, I thank you for Zanita. I thank you for her life. Her, the dreams and the visions that you're going to use her to interpret. I thank you, God, that as you strengthen, first of all, purge her prophet spirit and then strengthen it for what you needed to do, God. This woman is going to be a mighty voice and a mighty solutionist for you in the prophetic realm in the years to come. We cover her in the blood of the Lamb. We protect her. We shut down the satanic access to her faculties. We sh- shut off the channels that he's using. I purge that dream life, and God, any dream is not of you. I shut it down and remove it out of her life. It will not transmit into her. In Jesus' name, we put up the guard of the Holy Ghost, the guard wells of the Word of God around her so that she is ready to be treated as a trainee and, and entering into this fear, Lord, and not exploited by darkness simply because she has your awakening. So, God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right. God bless you, and we will be seeing you come across soon. All righty. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley, we got time for maybe one more. All right, and I have one more for you. Definitely one, more than one, but this is Tylen calling from Florida, and Tylen would like prayer and direction for the next moves in their life. Kylan, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hi, Dr. Paula Price. Thank you, Prophet Ashley. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing good. Yeah? You don't sound yeah. like it? You, um, you, don't, you don't sound like you and you, you have a couple of tangles. Yeah, a couple of tangles, but, you know, I'm trying to maintain a positive attitude and try my best to just trust God. Okay, so what are you doing to uh, strengthen that fortify that positive attitude? Um, I've been praying more, reading my Bible, um, working in my church, definitely trying to spend a lot less time with friends and 
have more of that quiet time, alone time with God. Okay, let me ask you this, Talon. Are you in a prophetic school? No, I am not. Are you prophetic? (laughs) Yes, I am. Yeah, right. But you're not in a prophetic school? No, I'm not. Did you take my assessment? Yes, ma'am. And did you get a program recommended to you? Yes, I did. I actually did not um, complete my program. I had two more sessions to do. Um, But at the time when I was supposed to um, finish my program, I had, like, so much stuff going on. And since then, like, everything started speeding up in a negative direction. Yeah, because you abandoned your post. Let me just give you a couple of pieces of information that most of us don't know when we're starting out prophetically. Can I do that? Yes, please. Okay, the first thing you need to do, Talon, is to recognize that the prophetic is not a pastime. This is not a hobbyist thing. This is a destiny that is meant to cover and, and permeate and stabilize what God would do through you and those in your world. So it's not a pastime. It's not something that, okay, well, I'll pick it up and I won't do it. That's number one. Number two, you need to understand that the prophet is a solution to society and culture's issues. So if you are a solution, rest rest assured that the problem causers are not going to make it easy for you to do this. You're going to have dumb things come up, and this is what the enemy will tell you. It's because of this prophetic thing. It's because of this training. You need to be careful. You're engaging the devil. Look at you. You're stirring up devils in your life. All of that is, is literally a blowback that he creates, which is artificial, and also which is meant to disqualify you, eliminate you as a contender for the for the ground and the territory that he's holding. So you need to recognize that, that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God. When you go out to work out, it's hard. When you go to start running, it's hard. Doing a new diet, it's hard. Why? Because the people, that the, the forces that got you in that predicament are not interested in being replaced. So that's the next thing I'd like you to know. Also, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do this, understanding that what you're called to do to be a solution is not going to calm the crises in your life until you're done. Because you don't have the answers. You know, the answers aren't coming. So how are you going to settle some? So you're going to have to have, you're going to come up with the strong coping and strong management skills to manage all of this and to contain it or minimize it until you, or minimize it rather, until you're done. That's how this works. So you did not choose God. God said to tell you right now, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't choose the prophetic. I made you that. This wasn't your choice. You don't opt in and opt out. Just because life is ugly. Life is ugly with your natural career. You don't, oh, I got to quit because, you know what, my life just made me, oh, no, I got to quit my job. Nobody does that. Very few people do that. And when those that do end up suffering worse, like you just said, making it worse. You don't quit your job. You don't quit your friendships. You don't quit your, your family. Why do you quit God's call on your life? I'm going to give you a prophecy. The prophecy of God to you right now is you need three years 
of concentrated prophetic education if indeed you want to fulfill his calling on your life. These three years are not going to be comfortable. They're not going to be just, you know, you're not going to be a smooth sailing, but you can manage the disturbance. Every year you complete, you will become stronger and wiser and able to contend with the disturbance that the enemy is using. Number one. Number two, God allows all of that backlash to make you a fighter and a warrior to take that, that, that flight spirit out, that fight spirit out, and cause you to be a combatant for the Holy Ghost. Because if you cannot stand up against the adversary for your own life and your own well-being, you are useless to God because these people will not be protected by you. The last word of this prophecy that I want you to get is that God needs you to stop being a quitter. He needs you to fight. You have such a – I'm looking at you, and this is what God said. You are, you are like pearls among stones for him right now, and he wants to polish your pearls. God wants you to shimmer and shine. You have been raised all your life stunning people because you have a very peculiar wisdom. You have that kind of snap, roll-off-the-tongue wisdom that God wants to develop and cultivate into prophetic wisdom and acumen. That's why he won't let you off. And the last word, my beloved, God says your covenant with him has no walk-away clause. Okay. Does that help you? I answered your question. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And so you are not, there's no walkaway clause for you. There are some people that God, you know, Bible said many are called but few chosen. The call can come and go. The chosen can never, we can't, we can't even walk away. We've chosen. We've pasted on the wall. You know, the call passes in, they're not movable furniture, not us. We glued to the fixture. Right. <laughs> we we're the kind of that we walk away. A hole is in the wall. The beam is broken. The went the glass. Us leaving defaces the property because we are an impertinent fixture. We are fixed to the structure of what God is doing. And when you are a fixture, you are fixed to the structure. There is no walk away. And you have been asking God and asking God, how can I stop this? Obey the Lord. Obey your calling. You already know it. You've had dreams. You've had people talk to you. You've had counsel. You've had all of that. You don't need anything but the will to obey the Lord concerning you or the guts to deal with the consequences. Okay. I know. Aren't you glad I took your call today? Isn't this wonderful? I, I'm so, so thankful. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I am the call you wanted today, but I want you to do this. So what you're going to do, and I'm, money is not going to be an issue because I'm not going to listen to you about money because people create money for whatever they want. You're going to get yourself back on your program. You need three years. And 18 months into this, your world is going to flip and settle, and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to finally understand the reason you went through what you did, how you went through what you did. It's going to make sense. I mean, you're going to go back into when you were even a teen and see things just make sense. And all of a sudden it's going to like, oh, so this is what this is all about? And finally, when you get into the, the I want to say between 28th and 30, the 28th and the 30th month, of your training, this mantle is going to settle on you, and for the first time in your life, in your existence, in your life, life is going to make sense. All of a sudden, 
Everything is going to settle in because I see that yoke falling on your shoulders as a mantle, and I'm telling you, that's why God won't leave you alone. I want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I want to hear the sermon. I don't want to hear the sermon. I want to sing. I don't want to sing. I want to serve. And I don't want to serve. I want to talk about God. I don't want to talk about God. I don't want to go. I just want to watch my show. Just, oh, oh, look, you have had, I mean, this, this spiritual fidgetiness has been on you for a long time because you are suffering prophetic fidgeting. You are fidgety about your life, and you don't want to obey God, and you don't want to obey God because you want somebody to do it wrong, suffer consequences, and you are convinced that that is going to happen to you. Uh-uh, God is not crazy, and he's not a maniac, and we need to stop acting as if he is. If people have issues in their life, it's because they're working for God's advantage, and these are things that they've sown, and the only way they forgot to get that out of their life is to let it grow up, wheat and tares, so he can uproot the tares and show the wheat. Okay. Amen. Amen. Okay. I have to pray because you know Prophet Ashley's gonna send me that text in about a minute. Because you know, even though she is all incapacitated, she is not really incapacitated. So it's gonna, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, glory, God! I thank you for tithing, Lord. I thank you that you watch over your word, cover every word that I said out of your mouth. Lord, perform it in her life, impress it upon her, clarify it, depict it, and whatever else you must do, God, to be, cause it to become a part of her to in her root system so that it will bear fruit to you at the appropriate time. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Good night. Well, it's not nighttime, so I'm leaving you now because i got a minute. So, hey, I expect to see you back on the program. I know you don't think I'll know it, but I do. I, I watch my company. And so I need to see you back in your place so that you can avert some of the things that the enemy has in store for you. All right, Prophet Ashley, okay, you won. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Prophet Ashley, you won. I'm leaving tonight, 8 p.m., Prophetic Ed. Don't forget, join me. Hi, this is Dr. Paula Price thanking you for joining me on this week's show. I want to remind you that the counsel and wisdom, the prayer and prophecy that you enjoy today does not have to end with today's program. You can go to blogtalkradio.com backslash Paula Price Show and join tens of thousands of people who re-listen to my program every week. Again, blogtalkradio.com backslash Paula Price Show and you can relive the experience every single day. God bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.